Well, that's very much the theme uh, of the section I want to look at. We're not going to move too far down the passage I read uh, this evening. But um, although that's a a distant hope, that great unity and love and joy in his presence in, in heaven, it's something we must aspire to here and now and make every effort to be in perfect harmony with each other and with the head of the church and Lord of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what was not happening uh, in Malachi's time. There was a particular issue that's brought out in the section that I've read, but there's a principle that I want to look at, God willing, here this evening. Now, so far in the book of Malachi, it has been the the priests who have been centre stage, and uh, the people have been implicated by association, but the priests, the leadership, have been up front. And now, in this next section, the focus changes to the the people themselves become uh, the ones under the spotlight, and also, of course, the priests, because they are part of the people. And the repeated uh, word here, throughout the section I read, it comes five times, is treachery, treacherousness, treacherously. It comes here in verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then do we deal treacherously with one another? Treachery is a difficult word to to pin down. Uh, Many other versions translate this Hebrew word by faithlessness. We have dealt uh, faithlessly. Uh, Faithlessness has been in amongst us. We've dealt with faithlessness towards each other. Now, this is the the issue uh, being addressed here, how we deal with one another, which certainly reveals our attitude towards him. If we can't get this right, it shows there's something very wrong here. Faithlessness. It's quite a, a long word. Faith, we understand. And it's on this level, first of all, here. Faith in each other, with each other. Can I trust you? Can you trust me? Do we trust each other? Uh, I wonder if I say this, can I trust that I'm not going to be understood? This is the level that we're on, how how we deal with each other. Can we give each other the benefit of the doubt? Or will offence be given? Or will offence be taken? It works both ways. I didn't mean to give offence. Did you mean to take Offence. There's, there's faith. And we should be those who are faithful. I love these words, full, wonderful. Think about it. It means full of wonder. Full means what it says. Faith. Faithful. Full of faith in each other. What a contrast, though. Faithless. Now, there can be a slip on occasions. I'm looking to be in faith with you and, and faith, full of faith. In you and you with me, of course, we're looking up here, but the expression of up here uh, manifests itself here. How can I say uh, I love God when I don't love my brother who I have seen? It works on that same, same level. Well, how am I dealing with you? How are you dealing 
uh, with me. This is the practical outworking of my love for God will be that I, I, love, I love you. But on occasions, I can slip and be, be faithless. But here's the problem in Malachi's time. It had become a settled condition such that it was faithlessness that pervaded the situation. Now, why was this so, so wrong? I say it comes five times in the passage I read. Well, there are two rhetorical questions uh, in the first part of verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? And the answer to those rhetorical questions that need no answer is a firm, uh, loud, yes, uh, we all have one Father. And one God has created each and every one of us. So the first point I want to make is that we are family. We are family. They were family, and we are family. Have we not all one and the same Father. Now think about that. Now we're from many different human families, and on a human level we'd say, well, well, no, unless we go all the way back to, to Adam. I guess we all go back through Noah, that bottleneck uh, there, but um, no, we all have one Father, and, and what a father he is, spiritually, our spiritual father. What, what could be said about him? Of course, for the nation of Israel, it could be referring to, to their physical descendant, uh, Abraham. Uh, Abraham is our father, and Isaac and, and Jacob. But, but even there, God is the, the end of it all, but spiritually, it is God who is our father. Have we not all got one Father. Now, tonight here, if you're a Christian, we are family. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. Do you know, I have more in common with you if you're a Christian than I have with my unconverted family members. Uh, we have ties that last... Well, we can't put a quantity on it because it is unquantifiable I don't know how we feel about that but we have one father and his next question do we have we has not one God created us well yes and for the Jews there in Malachi's time uh, God was the creator of the nation it's God who took the initiative. It was all of grace. He takes Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees and he, he calls him out and says, go to a land that I will show you. God calls Abraham and takes him and gives him all these precious promises. And here we are uh, this evening. We are one family together. One God has created us. He is our Father. As one family what we need to express is this wonderful expression, unity, love, and faithfulness. God has his people in the world. In the Old Testament, Israel. Then, Malachi's time, Israel. 
Uh, here today, it is the church. God has his people on planet earth. We have so much that binds us together. It, it is the church. Now, it's both the local church here, Heath Evangelical Church. I've come for another expression a few months ago at St. Melon's uh, Baptist Church uh, down the road. It's still there. I noticed the other day, there's, uh, it was called Heath Gospel Hall. I don't know if it's still called that. You go down, Month down uh, Crewis Road, turn left on Monthamer Road, and there's uh, Highfields uh, Church. You go across the road here, and there's St. Mark's. And these are local expressions. Uh, you go to Ukraine, uh, and, and tonight, even in the east of Ukraine, there will be the Lord's people worshipping the living God. And whilst we're here in our comfort, they are there in conditions that uh, defy description or, or, or consideration. There is a unity. There's a universal church. There's the local church. God has his people in the world. And if you're a Christian, what do you think about that? Isn't it wonderful to be part of his family? And I tell you this, and here it comes again from Malachi chapter 1. What is God's attitude towards his people? Malachi 1 and verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. Do you know, it's something I often remind myself of. You know, going around and uh, see the church is not perfect here below. But we should aim for perfection. Eh, let's aim at the target. Let's see what we are called to be. We're called to be like our elder brother. I see, he's uh, our elder brother in the family. There's God, our heavenly father. Who's the Lord Jesus Christ? He's pleased to call us his brothers. Uh, and we look to him. Jesus, Lord, we look to thee. Let us in thy name uh, agree. Manifest thy presence here. Oh, what an example he is to us. Now, I would aspire to be like him. And uh, oh, to be one in him. And to behave as a, a family, all for one and one for all. Jesus, you see, as I go around and see different church situations, do you know, I've never, ever found a perfect church. And you can go and spend maybe a few weeks in a particular church, and you think, oh, everything is so wonderful here. Why isn't my church like this? Well, my friends, if that's what you think, you haven't been in that church long enough. Because sadly, it doesn't take, maybe it takes a couple of years actually to start to really get to know a local church and to know what goes on. Now, it shouldn't, and we aspire to something beautiful, glorious. So let's immerse ourselves in the scriptures and see what we ought to be. Now, of course, we're not thinking about unity at any price. There are two things that do bring us schism. I only find two, though, in the Bible. We're apt to add, though, little parentheses and subsections. But the two dominant issues are immorality that is not being dealt with. And that's one that gets lots of subsections from people, actually. Well, let me define immorality for you. Well, it's immorality that's not being dealt with. Also, heresy. Well, I could give you quite a few subsections on that. People might say, well, actually... I could narrow it down to those 
irreducible things whereby if you didn't believe these things, you could not possibly be saved. So we, we believe. I mean, you, it would really be the Apostles' Creed. All right, now we repeat that at the evening communion uh, services. But um, I'm sure on everything else, we ought to be able to work things through. And I tell you this, whatever other people's attitudes are towards the Heath Evangelical Church, I know the attitude of Jesus Christ. And even though there may be discipline at times, it's only because he loves us. It's only because he loves us. I have loved you. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so, therefore, we must love one another. We are family, one family, God our Father, Jesus Christ our elder brother. And we are brothers and sisters together. What a tremendous privilege you and I have. Let me read from Ephesians chapter 4. Having dealt with all the wonderful doctrines of grace in the first three chapters, there have been some practical things in the first three chapters, but from chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is inspired now to begin to apply the great doctrines of grace, the finished work of Jesus Christ. I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What's the calling? The calling to believe, the calling to belong to the family of God, the calling to have the right to say, God is my Father, Jesus Christ is my elder brother, uh, the calling to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so Paul is saying, inspired by the Spirit, I beg you, Walk in such a way that reflects that. With all, now, how do I do it? With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. How long is long-suffering? How many times should I forgive my brother? Peter's really thinks he's on a winner here. I tell you what, here's a big number. Seven! Not long enough, Peter tell you how many and he's probably good at maths but he was never meant to work it out 70 times 7 how long is long how long do I put up with that brother or sister who really actually is pretty irritating and that opinion that they have is certainly not my opinion I've got a strong opinion on this is it your opinion on the person of Jesus Christ And if you have differing opinions on that, I'm willing to say there may be some debates and some disagreement to be had. If it's on whether you have sliding doors or solid doors at the front, I think there has to be a good bit of give and take before you'd split a church over it. I take two extremes. Long, long-suffering, Bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body. I, what would it take for me to chop a finger off? I can't imagine I'd want to offend my, my finger or think I'd be better off uh, without this particular finger or, or a toe or, or an arm. Um, 
got that difficulty in Corinthians. Now, this coming Sunday, just to, sorry, Wednesday, just to say, I, I've been asked by the pastor to take the Bible study again this coming Wednesday, and we're going to be looking at, I've been asked to look at, something of the extraordinary gifts. And uh, I had a message from one of the elders saying, be careful, it is a minefield. It, it is, it is. Well, there, there can be actually a healthy disagreement on such matters, because I really feel they are quite secondary. But if we were studying the person of Jesus Christ, no, we are very clear on who he is and what he has done. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One family. And then here in Ephesians chapter 2, let me read from verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So I don't know when you join this particular church, but you are another brick in the wall. Or maybe, where, I don't know if the building's nearly finished yet. Maybe we're onto the ridge tiles by now in 2022. Maybe we're part of the chimney stack, but the building is going up. Don't be a brick out of place and be satisfied with where the Lord places you. But here's the wonderful thing. We are one. We're built on a solid foundation. It's the Bible. We're thinking about that this morning. Built on that foundation, the apostles and the prophets. A holy building in which God dwells by His Spirit. How wonderful here tonight. Oh, it can be a wonderful thing to think we, we meet in the midst of angels, but more than that, the Holy Spirit here with us. The risen Christ manifested here uh, amongst us. We are one together. Have we not one Father, has not one God created us? First point then, family. Second point, the covenant. The covenant. Have we not all one Father, has not one God created us? Why then do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously. Profaning the covenant of the fathers. The, the covenant. The agreement. The covenant has got two parts. But God is the prime mover here. And here is the essence of the covenant of grace. There was a covenant of works where God said to Adam, do not eat from this tree. If you do, you will die. And by implication, if you don't eat you will continue to live. It was a covenant of works. Do and live or do not and live. It was based on what he did or did not do. But Adam fell. And there in the Garden of Eden, as we saw this morning, that first 
proto-evangel, first declaration of the gospel was given. God was going to do something to put right what had gone so drastically wrong through Adam and Eve's disobedience. But God makes this covenant. And here it is in essence. God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. There's the covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. Let's have a quick look through some of these wonderful statements from the living God. Beginning in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 7. And I, says God, will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and to your descendants after you. And then into Exodus and chapter 6 and verse 7. I will take you, says the living God, as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 29. And verse 45, I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. Here's the promises of God moving on into the, the prophets. And uh, Ezekiel and chapter 14 and verse 11. That the house of Israel may no longer stray from me nor be profaned any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, says the Lord God. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 28. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Let's move into the new Testament, 2 Corinthians and chapter 6 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people, just two more, be patient with me, suffer long with me. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be their God. Here's the covenant, I will be their God and they will be my people. And the fulfillment of it all, my final uh, scripture here in this little section, Revelation 21 and verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and, he, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God covenant. God has said it. 
that settles it. Here it is. I will be your God. You will be my people. What a rock. What a faithful God we have. Faithful to the covenant. Now in the law, covenant details are, are given. Uh, what we need to do. There is the moral law, the Ten Commandments. And the first four of those Ten Commandments uh, relate to God. And then the next six relate to our dealings with each other. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ summar summarizes the moral law with those wonderful, wonderful words. Uh, what is the greatest commandment? A scribe asks him or a lawyer asks him. Oh, here it is. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And here the second one is just like it, flows from it. You will love your neighbor as yourselves. Oh, the proof, the proof that I'm in the covenant. I might say that I love God. Do I, do I really love God? See, words are all too easy, but here's where the rubber hits the road. How do I deal with you? How do you deal with me? How do we deal with each other? I trust it's not treacherously. I trust it's long-suffering. trust it's full of faith. See these very telling words in 1 John and chapter 4, verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. It's pretty stark, isn't it? Oh, I, I don't hate him. I just really, really, really disagree. Uh, enough to break unity? I'm afraid so on, on this issue. What is it? Well, the sliding doors were the last straw. It's just, I don't want to make it, too silly, but there are issues on which we can divide, and rightly so, and the Bible gives them, and say, just two, immorality that's not being dealt with, and blatant heresy. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So now we have this one covenant. I would say just to, again, too much to add into one sermon. One covenant. I will be your God, you will be my people. Two administrations of that, that agreement. In the Old Testament, there were uh, shadows and types and figures. There was the ceremonial law. There's the moral law that we should keep. And we aim high. We aim high. As Christians, we, we aim high. Thank God the shadows have passed because the reality has come. The administration in the new covenant is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's fulfilled all the types and the prophecies and the shadows. We need now no priests for we have the, the high priests and we're all priests to, 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 together to, before, before God. We, we need no incense because our prayers ascend directly to uh, the Father. We need no lambs or animals to be slaughtered. All we have is a table of remembrance here where we remember the great sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. So there's the family. We're one family. 
And we ought to keep faith and hold covenant with each other. He is our God. We are brothers and sisters together. Now, since God is our Father and our Creator, now the people have got a question to ask in Malachi's time. And let's dip into verses 13 and 14. They have a question. It's a very brief point, this one. Malachi 2, verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offerings anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Why isn't God receiving our offerings? We might say, well, why doesn't God answer my prayers anymore? And yet you say, for what reason? Why is it that there's this, uh, the heavens are as brass and there's a silence from God? Why isn't he receiving our offerings? Why isn't he receiving our prayers? And then the answer, here's my final point for this evening, just to dwell a little time here. What is the problem? Why isn't God hearing their prayers? Well, it goes right back then to verses 10 and that first part of verse 11. Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Judah has dwelt, has dealt treacherously. What is the problem in Malachi's time? Why is there little blessing? Why do the heavens seem as brass? Faithlessness towards each other and therefore towards him. And I want to just think about that in closing this evening in a general sense before we get on to the particular issue that Malachi raises before the people. But faithlessness manifested in this way, a disunity, a disconnect between brothers and sisters in Christ. God views this as a great sin, as a great sin, for we are family. He is our Father, and Jesus Christ is our elder brother, and we are one body. We are together in Christ. We are working together. We are family. And what we do is we, we settle issues within the family. We don't break faith with each other. I remember bringing up... Uh, Six children, a little bit like uh, raising a herd of buffalo at times. It wasn't always easy. And uh, Jill and I would say, well, they're falling out in lumps. Do you know they're all still our children? Not one of them has joined another family. Not one of them. It would be ridiculous. It would be really, really odd. No, they're still. In fact, the family has grown because they've married and they've had children so it's six children and their their various uh, husbands and wives and, and 12 grandchildren and Christmas is wonderful and now it's the grandchildren who fall out in lumps but again they're still there they're part of the family and we we get them together we try and solve their their difficulties and one has to go and sit on the step for a while and then they say oh it's not fair it was him it wasn't me and there's tears and there's tantrums but you know they are settled they are settled. It's why I was drawn to, to read Matthew chapter 18 and the issues that are raised there, that we need to be those who bear, forbear, suffer long, and uh, we forgive 
each other. And how many times? Well, Peter, no, it's not seven. It's 70 times seven, and don't work it out. And if you wanted to know, I'm pretty sure it's 490, isn't it? But thank you. But we don't count. We don't count. We just go on and on. Because we're family. We're family. God is my father. He's your father too. And Jesus Christ is our elder brother. And we're brothers and sisters together. And then, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount... Matthew chapter 6, when we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, Forgive us our debts as we forgive forgive our debtors. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. But you don't know what they did. Yes, I do. I am your Father. I, I have been, I know exactly what has been happening. Forgive the brother. Forgive him. Forgive him. It's not be naive. It's not easy. Here's the New Testament church. You know, there were issues in the New Testament church. And Paul writes to the church at Philippi. And before he gets on to particular issues, he gives that great, great view Uh, The humility of Jesus Christ. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through, here's the problem, you see, selfish ambition, my agenda, or conceit, my idea is better than yours. My idea trumps it. And I'm an elder. And I'm the assistant pastor. So you better give my point of view a, a good... No, none of that. None of that. Well, what's his view? What's his view? Well, here it is in the Word. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. And that wonderful view of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is given to us in his humility and humbling himself. And then we come to the practical outworkings. We get to chapter 4. There are two ladies at Philippi. This is the New Testament church. So you might think, well, I want, I, I, I'd rather be a member at Philippi because that's a really, really wonderful church. Oh, lots to commend Philippi. Lots to commend them. The Philippian jail is there. Lydia's there. Uh, thriving New Testament church, but they, you know, we can have these rose-coloured spectacles and think, well, it was all so wonderful there. Not at all. There were two women. Philippians 4 and verse 2, I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. It seems there's a disagreement uh, between these two women. And I'm pleading, here's the apostle, and the Spirit through the Apostle. I, I'm, I'm imploring these two sisters to be of the same mind. And the Greek is interesting. Autophroneo. Uh, be of the same mind. To, to exercise their minds. To get together and have a good think. And uh, a Bible dictionary had this extended definition of autophroneo. Here's these two women. They're, they've got a disagreement. We don't know what it was. 
autophreneo, to be disposed more or less earnestly in a certain direction. Now, that's a wonderful definition. To be disposed more or less earnestly in a certain direction. Here, here's the issue. And Euodia thinks this. And Syntyche thinks this. Well, Euodia, you be less inclined and... Uh, in this direction, and you, and I've forgotten who I said over here, but whoever, and then the other one, you be lessing, you be the other way inclined, and there is a way to meet together. <clears throat> and then Paul says something else very wonderful, inspired by the Spirit. It seems these ladies will need some help. It, maybe the dispute's gone a little bit too far. So I urge you also, true companion, help these women who laboured with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. He doesn't write them off. But do you know, you know, it's interesting. Um, did they get back together? Was the dispute resolved? There's a final comment there. What is the answer to disputes and difficulties? Let me say again, it's not, it's not easy. This is not easy. Euodia and Syntyche, were they ever reconciled? We're, we're not told. I hope they were, but we're, we're not told. Let's think about uh, two others who had a dispute. There was Paul and Barnabas. Now they'd laboured. I, I often say, I suppose quite naively, if we focused on the main things, these secondary things would never be an issue. I think Paul and Barnabas were pretty well focused on the primary issues. Christ crucified, risen from the dead. Both powerful, passionate hearts for the gospel. And yet they had a dispute. And it centred around who should go with them on the next missionary journey. You might well say, well, that was a very secondary issue. I would agree with you. And they went their separate ways. Were they ever restored? And was the issue ever resolved? You know, we're not told. What about Paul and Peter when Peter withdrew, when uh, the Gentiles uh, uh, arrived and didn't want to be seen to be eating with Gentiles and Paul calls him out? Was that issue ever resolved? I, 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 I don't know. These issues are real. They're not easy. Well, what do we do? Well, I love this injunction that comes in Ephesians chapter 4. Do everything that you can and... Uh, to keep the unity of the Spirit, yes, but I, this is a good translation, to, to maintain the unity of the Spirit, to garrison it, uh, to put watchmen around the walls of unity and to be vigilant and uh, any invader coming over the wall to look to deal with it pretty, pretty swiftly to nip it in the bud, to, to maintain. I like maintain because uh, prevention is better than cure. If you've got a car that hasn't had a service for 10 years, you wouldn't be surprised if it starts to go wrong. No, regular maintenance uh, on a car. Maintain the... And how do we do that spiritually? Or use the means of grace. Those pillars, four pillars, the preach word, prayer, breaking of bread, and fellowship. How important it is to encourage one another. And I love this term again. How do we keep it? How do we deal with disunity? This word phroneo, autophroneo, uh, come, come together. There is a way to move 
through this. And again, Matthew chapter 18, uh, resolve the matter. Uh, don't leave, stay. Resolve the matter. And if you need help, come and see some others who you trust. Let's get the issue resolved. Do all that we can. Or oh, treachery was happening in Malachi's time. We'll come on to the particular issue, God willing, next time I preach on a, a Sunday evening. But here is a general oversight. Faithlessness and disunity is something which God abhors and would have us radically deal with. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a time in your word, and the time goes so swiftly, so much more that could be said. Pray, Lord, you would take the words that have been spoken, sift them, Lord, remove those things that were of the flesh, and were not helpful. But, oh, Lord, the gold of your word, apply it to each of our hearts that we might move forward and serve the living God, one Father, our elder brother, brothers and sisters, together. Help us, we pray, to God be the glory. Amen. Well then, a concluding hymn, and if you can stay to the after meeting, please, please do. Tea and coffee, and then to hear from Anya. Lord, from whom all blessings flow, perfecting the church below. 353.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and always. Amen.